Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. I promised to teach about personal faith or the personalization of our faith. Because many people live on the faith of other people. Many people live on the faith of men of God and they do not know. They live on the faith of prophets only, apostles only, pastors only. That sister Lydia who prays often, and so you don't pray, and then you always hand your prayer requests to sister Lydia, you know, to pray for you. Because she's a praying person and you're a hardworking person. When you're in trouble, You call them prayer partners, not because you contribute anything uh, to that covenant, but because you're a beneficiary spiritually. And perhaps maybe she's the poor one who prays a lot. And so you give her some money on Sunday and Tuesday to feed her children. And then you call her your prayer partner. But really, she just prays over you. Oh, he just prays over you. You have nothing that connects you except that simple transaction. Believers across the world this year and last year have been shaken more than ever before concerning the plague in the world, the frustrations that have followed that plague, the poverty, the businesses that have hit shipwreck, the children that are out of school and the families that are confused and disorganized totally and they don't even know when they will breathe. Governments have questions, of course. This has a ripple effect on all of us uh, some way. Some people in the same season are thriving and growing and increasing, and some in the same season are failing and dying every day. We've lost our beloved, you see? So more than ever before, it's important for us to not only build but emphasize certain truths because we come to realizations in such times that certain people have not understood fully some of these things. And for us to take that opportunity to repeat them is a great blessing for us. So. I have always, always believed in personal faith. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to share faith with another person or to associate with somebody with greater faith. In fact, it's recommendable in scripture and I'm going to teach that. But before you associate with somebody with greater faith, before you submit to a greater power, you must know how to build and fortify yourself. The danger of that with some of the ministries that we have today is that it treats the man of God of certain responsibilities. And some men of God think that when you do that and teach men how to believe for themselves, they'll not come to church again. No, that's indifference. That's deception. It's not true. It's not right. But you see, it's a result of a longer, longer experience. It's the movements that we have had in Christian history. Or at least if I might have a conversation with you concerning modern history, because some of us can easily relate to that, other than biblical history, of course. In the 1950s, so the us who have read Christian history, especially in the United States of America, there was a great movement uh, called the Charismatic Movement. Big, big movement. And sort of the strains of that in a way carry on even in the generations present. And I believe that some of us have some of those, you know, strands of DNA, spiritual DNA, where is the result of many graces and one of which is the charismatic movement. And, you know, they believed in the infill or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, primarily the gift of the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking in tongues and the gifts then that are given by the person of the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, the demonstration of power, the infills of the Spirit. It was a very strong movement with notable signs, miracles and wonders. And, you know, the lame walked, the blind saw, the deaf heart. It was a big, big movement. But it was extremely bent on uh, emotionalism, right? It was extremely bent on a very fanatic thought 
or mind set. And so, because they saw sister so and so falling under the power of God, many of them then believe that if they don't fall down, the power of God does not come upon them. Because they saw brother so and so slain in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he woke up and he prophesied, and the lamb walked and the blind saw. They think the only way you can do that miracle, you have to fall under the power of the Holy Spirit, which is okay to fall and be, you know, overwhelmed by the presence of God. Some people say it doesn't exist. Some people don't believe in it. That's their problem. It's not ours. But the charismatic movement had results that many people who oppose the slaying in the spirit cannot produce, not even an ounce of it. So before you judge a movement, give us better results. Somebody shout hallelujah. So they could demonstrate power. It was a good thing. But like in every movement, and I always say this, in every movement, they will always be extremes. There will always be extremes in every movement. So yes, there was an extreme of fanatic people who were inclined more to the emotional than the revelational experience of the charismatic. And so without a certain feeling in the room, they cannot believe for healing. Without a certain experience, in the room or in their life of prayer, they cannot believe that God has done a certain miracle or has answered a certain prayer, which was also dangerous because they limited God to the experiences and feelings of their flesh. Somebody shout hallelujah. But they had results because the people who felt a certain way and they were healed a certain way. But they then tie God there, you know, understanding the ways of God. Where the Bible says that Moses knew the ways of God. You see, because if you read through scripture, he goes to Moses and he's in a burning bush. And God appears to him in a burning bush. He goes to Job and we think that a burning bush is going to come. And then he comes and appears to Job in a whirlwind, a storm. You see? For some, he has appeared in different ways. When Jesus is speaking to Paul at his conversion, he says, for this reason have I raised you and anointed you to be a witness and minister of those things which you have seen or have showed you and in the things in which I shall appear unto you. So that means God, Jesus, can appear to us in many forms and through many things. When you understand the ways of God, you can tell the difference between the Holy Spirit and another spirit working in your life somebody shout hallelujah so back to the story of our beloved charismatics and so then many of them because of that experiential life they were living they started to disregard the efficacy of truth they started to disregard the word you know many of them stopped reading the bible some of them could read it once in a while why because all you need is just get in a room speak in other tongues and then the power of god comes upon you roll down you prophesy why do you need scripture they said and so we started to see experiences of people who were filled baptized they were rolling on the floor demons are screaming out of them they're falling under the power they get up and they're the same people they're not transformed in character they're not healed they're not delivered they're not changed they're not transformed so there's a question i fell under the power like sister rita or brother rogers did but how come i don't see that change and we both fell but brother rogers too much disappeared and mine didn't disappear what am i missing some of them become more fanatical you see and some of them build doctrines you know false doctrines around that why because they are not reading the word they are basing more on experiences than revelation so later on there was a need for the movement of god to evolve and so it's important also to recognize the evolving of a movement otherwise you will live to criticize and not appreciate that the church is like a child that is growing and it requires processes of adjusting, adopting, and mutating. There's an evolution of sort for it as it becomes uh, the perfect bride that Jesus wants to come for without spot or wrinkle. And that means that they're growing. Like the experiences of the early church, the things that were done in the early church that are so hard to do in the church now, by principle, you have to go back and dig a few things and try to reshape the form and operation of such a thing for it to work in this present day. So we believe that the church is growing. What our fathers knew in the 80s is not what is here in the 90s. What is here in the 90s is not what is in the year 2000. And what is in the year 2000 is not what will be in the 2030s or 40s or 50s or 60s for those of us who will be alive. See, but you must appreciate. Don't criticize the movement. Appreciate it. Hallelujah. It's good for me to give you that background. So God now pushes the church 
to tell them, look, much as the power of the Holy Spirit, the experiences and demonstration of the power are important, it's very important also to understand that what I can do by your experience as the Spirit of God moves, I can actually do when you simply believe the word, like I said it. And that was the birth of what we call the word of faith movement in the late 60s into the 70s. Of course, the biggest proponents uh, behind that being the man of God, Kenneth E. Hatton. But earlier than that, of course, there were a few people that were practicing those thoughts, people like Smith Wigglesworth, their proponents. And then later in the Kenneth days, we also have men like Oral Roberts. We have men like T.L. Osborne and all the rest. They are all a line of word of faith. But word of faith also has its challenges. You know, some people went extreme into claiming the rights of scripture, forgetting the responsibility and stewardship of the same. It's my right to be healed because Jesus said that I'll be healed. It's my right to be rich because Jesus said for this reason was made poor that I may become rich. And that's true. It's your right to be rich, it's your right to be healthy. But do you carry the responsibility of that health? Do you carry the responsibility of that wealth? Do you understand that you are a steward of all these things? Because if you don't, then the criticism started to come through as some people became more inclined to wealth than they were for the fulfillment of the purposes and assignments of God. And that's where we now hear people criticizing. They called it the prosperity gospel. But again, even those who criticized it were indifferent to the fact that God is not against prosperity. God is against making prosperity a God in his place, an idol in his place. So you say, prosperity gospel, prosperity gospel. But some of them who are against it are really justifying their poverty. And me, I don't belong there. No, I believe that God has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you believe it as well, say amen. amen. So it's important. This is important for Christians to understand. We're going on a journey and I want to open your eyes to something beautiful. So of course, there was also that kind of experience. And of course, we had people who were claiming the word, like I said, and started to walk into the places of claiming the revelations without having a relationship with the word, without having built the foundational experiences of truth. And without those foundations, claiming the word alone, confessing it alone, praying through it alone was not enough. And so we also had a problem in the word of faith that we had people who were confessing right, praying right, you know, doing everything as to the book, but they were not having the results of their confessions. They were dying in their confessions. They are losing their jobs in their confessions. Their marriages are failing in spite of confession. Why? Because they had not understood what it was to build in themselves to have that effect of the word. And this is what I'm trying to touch now. And many other things we can touch concerning the word of faith, but only to help in some of those ages that were extremes. They also taught things that were very, very, very true and which we must embrace if we must live. But then when those ages get a bit, you know, frustrating, we can, this is the apostolic mandate to help fix some of these things through teaching. And today I want to touch one of those. We realized that people believe they have been taught the way of faith and confession, but it had not been personalized. You know, the difference between faith in God and trusting in God. Faith in God is consenting or agreeing with his ability. Trusting God is the personalizing of God's ability and power to you. Are you following me? When you say, I trust God, it means that you consent to his ability and power working for you personally. Faith has to become personal because we had experiences with people in the night. You wake up at three and you can't breathe. And then they call their pastor and their pastor's phone is off. And then they call the intercessor, Lydia. And Lydia's phone is off. And then they call brother Emmanuel. He usually wakes up at 3 a.m. to pray. It's true he's praying, but his phone is off because he hates praying when the phone is on. And then they start gasping for breath. Some, by the time you get to them, the damage is so big. And some things cannot be reversed and some can be reversed. 
What if a believer is found in a car accident and you're surrounded by people who you don't know? What's the first thing you do? And you're damaged in your body. And you can't get to your phone to call sister or brother so and so. In such instances, we lose them or some get deeply, deeply wounded and damaged in ways that we have no language for. Why? Because faith is not personal. You only breathe by another man's experiences and relationship with God. There's a wrong way to live life. That's a wrong way to live the Christian life. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's one of the things that Paul finds with the Hebrews, yeah? When we see him writing the book of Hebrews, it's the thing Paul finds with the Hebrews. The central theme of why the book of Hebrews is written was to help people learn how to believe God personally. Somebody shout hallelujah. And I'm going to take you through two very important verses in Hebrews to help us understand what Paul is trying to communicate. So many of us say, oh, you know, in Hebrews 11, the faith verse. People call it the faith verse. But why is it in Hebrews? Why is it not in any other book? Why is the faith verse in Hebrews? By the time you get to the 11th where Paul is teaching about faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, there is a journey that comes before that. He's building a conversation with them through that letter to help them be established in a personal faith. And here, not only am I going to show you the experiences of that instruction, but I'm also going to give you a few instructions therein to know how to build personal faith. Hebrews chapter 2. If you will read from the first verse, the Amplified Version, the Bible says, since all of this is true, what is true? The Word. The Word is true. God is true. Since all of this is true, the revelation of God is true. Since all of this is true, all that you're reading is true. Everything that is spoken about Jesus is true. Everything that is spoken about the prophets is true. Everything that is spoken about the judges and the kings is true. Everything that is spoken in the book of Revelation is true. Everything that is given in the Gospels is true. Everything that is spoken of the patriarchs is true. Since all that we're reading is true, you firstly must understand that, the power of that. Do you believe that the Bible is true? Or do you read it like a good historical book that has very good moral instructions and sometimes, you know, when I have my seismic experiences and earthquakes are shaking of poverty and sickness and what, I go to read and I get answers because it's a good book to motivate me, you know, and take me to the next day. Or do you believe that the word of God is actually true? Those that come to God must know that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, but that he is. If you're to come to God, you must know that he is. Somebody shout hallelujah. And that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Somebody shout hallelujah. And I believe it's in Hebrews as well. So let's continue. Now, Hebrews chapter 2. He's saying, since all this is true, we ought to pay much close attention than ever to the truths that we have heard, lest in any way we drift past them and slip away. I'll repeat that. Since all of this is true, we ought to pay much closer attention than ever to the things that we have heard, lest in any way we drift past them and slip away. For if the message given through angels, the law spoken by them to Moses, was authentic and proved sure, every violation and disobedience received an appropriate and just and adequate penalty, how shall we escape appropriate retribution if we neglect and refuse to pay attention to such a great salvation? He has called it a great salvation. As is now offered to us, letting it drift past us forever. For it was declared at first by the Lord himself and it was confirmed to us and proved to be real and genuine by those who personally had him speak. So he's saying, since all of this is true, we have to hold, we have to seek to Pay close attention to the word. 
Now Paul is giving us an answer here. If you know that what you're reading is true, if you know that what you're reading raises dead men, if you know that what you're reading has made crippled men walk, if you know that what you're reading has opened blind eyes and the deaf have spoken, if you know that what you're reading has given the barren children, if you know that what you're reading can change economies, can lift mountains from one place and throw them to yonder, can level valleys, can change circumstances, if you know that what you are reading can change governments, has shaped empires, has defined histories, if you know that what you are reading is the very life of God himself, for the Bible says, for the word that I give you is spirit and it is life. If you know that what you're reading is the difference between your next breakthrough, your next healing, your next answer, your next deliverance, your next promotion, your next fulfillment of God's assignment in your life. If you know that what you're reading is that big, then treat it like it's big. Read it like it's big. Respond to it like it is able to do all of that you have said. Now, let me explain this a bit deeper for some of us to understand what I mean. We have people who respond to the word of God so indifferently. And that same person has asked themselves why they don't have the results of the word, why they're not walking or living in the power that is given through the word. But you see, the challenge is how you have responded to the word. Let's study the Greek language here from where the New uh, Testament is written translated from Greek again into your English. Now the Greek word for pay much close attention or closer attention is prosecho. That's the Greek word prosecho. Now prosecho means hold to the mind. Hold these things to your mind. Holding a mind towards something means that you have applied all your mind to it. Holding to the mind these things. You find a Christian who is born again 20 years, 15 years, and they cannot quote 10 scriptures off their head. Look at their lives. Doesn't matter how many prophets they go to, doesn't matter how many mountains they climb, doesn't matter how many hours they spend in prayer. Look at a Christian who cannot retain a scripture in their mind. and see their lives, you will see why they're suffering, why they're dying, why they're failing. Somebody shout hallelujah. When it says holding to the mind or holding a mind towards something, it means that your mind is not only aligned to the word, but it retains truth deliberately. Not by gift. You know, some people say, I'm naturally a retentive person. Yes, we're not talking about natural retention. We're talking about the responsibility of Christianity. We must have the word. Somebody shout hallelujah. It also means to give undivided attention. There's somebody right now watching me there in their living room and they're on the phone, they're texting to Sister Rachel, what are you doing? How far are you? But they're watching. And then they leave and then they go in the kitchen in the middle of a sermon. And then they make tea after that they come and then they sit in the middle and then they look at it and then they listen again and then after some minutes they remember that they've forgotten bread and then they go back to the kitchen you understand and then they get the bread and then they come again and then they sit and they're listening and you know they're saying wow i'm being blessed man thank you for the sermon are you hearing me listen you are sitting before god god is instructing you not me but god in me is instructing you this word is true it can change your family it can change your life it can get those fibroids out of your body it can heal your sight it can take cancer out of you it can restore your kidneys and you're standing when god is speaking and the same person will be summoned in the office of the president one day, and they'll get into the state house, and then they'll enter, they'll tell them, keep all your phone, switch it off. Oh, and they'll be briefed. When you're meeting the president, please don't answer phone calls. Don't make phone calls. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. And then they go before a man, flesh and blood, and they sit there, and he can speak for two, three, four, five hours, and they're not moving a muscle. Flesh and blood. 
and then they get to the word of God and they can move because the grace of God is with them. You see, that's why people criticize the grace movement because we have not received grace with responsibility. We've not responded to the grace of God in the maturity God requires us to. Somebody shout hallelujah. It means to have undivided attention. When you get to the word, switch off and out anything that can hold you back from receiving. Switch off anything. It means to apply oneself. That means when you sit before the word of God, apply yourself to it. Don't be indifferent and absent from what God is instructing. It means to attach oneself. Not only do you apply yourself, seek to be practical in the receiving of the word, but God also says you attach yourself to the word. That means you attach yourself to anything and anybody that connects you to the instruction of the spirit. Number three, to be addicted. It also means to be addicted, Prosecco. It means to be addicted. The Bible in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 15, it speaks of the house of Stephanus, how they are the first fruits of Achaia. And the Bible says that these household were addicted to the ministry of the saints. They were addicted. It speaks of the house of Stephanus as a household that was addicted to the things of God. Listen, if somebody can get so addicted on meth or cocaine, drugs and alcohol and something and get so you look at anybody who's addicted to anything they are given to it they're obedient to it they apply themselves to it they attach themselves to it look at a drunkard who goes in a bar and is a drunkard that is addicted to alcohol that man can sit in a bar up to 3 a.m he doesn't care how he'll go back home he doesn't care how his children are. He doesn't care how his wife is. He doesn't give a damn. Why? Because he's addicted to something and that thing controls his time, not him. It controls his money. He can spend it all and drink himself. He can even go to a doctor and they tell him if you take another drink, you're going to die and he'll still go back and drink because he's addicted to alcohol. Are you addicted to the word? Or the word is just that thing you, you just listen to when you want, when you can. Yeah, let's listen. Somebody shout hallelujah. So to pay that attention, that consistent attention is to apply yourself. And there's another Greek word that I also want to give here. He says, least we let them slip away least we let them sleep away. And the Greek word there is parahel. And it means to let something carelessly pass or for something to escape you because of your negligence. Let me give you an example. A young girl came to me. She was dealing with panic attacks very bad and she was sick, very sick, very sick. And by God's grace, she was seeking God. Why am I sick? Why have I prayed and fasted and believed? And I have failed to get healing. And in the night, she's in a dream. And in a dream, I appear to her in a dream. And I tell her, you missed it. You missed it. So the young girl comes looking for me. And so she stands before me and tells me, I had a dream about you. You appeared in my dream and told me, you missed it. What did I miss? As she was speaking, the Lord dropped a certain someone in my spirit. And I asked her, have you listened to someone called this and that? I preached it a couple of months before. I said, yeah, I remember. I think I listened to it. And I told her, there's something you missed in that someone. Go back, sit down with a pen and paper, listen to every word in there. You will get it. If you get it, your body will be healed. That was it. That was it. It was fixed. But why? She let something escape her. She let something slip off her reception. Something left. It can slip either by your negligence 
I'll give you an example. There's a lady who had spent three years looking for a job and she had failed to get a job. Three years after graduation. She's going through the fourth year. And she had a very, very uh, good degree. She gets frustrated. She comes to me and tells me, Apostle Grace, I've failed, I've prayed, I've done this, I've done that. And <laughs> asked her, last Saturday I preached a sermon. Were you in the service? In that time we still have Saturday services. She says, no, I didn't attend. So I asked her why. I was just home, I just don't know why, but I didn't attend. I told her, go get that CD. She went and listened to that CD. The next week she got a job. The next week, after one week, she got a job. So understand that Satan created experiences around her for that someone to skip her. And she has no clue. It only took a man of grace to help her understand. Go and listen to this particular someone by instruction and see what will happen. If she had not gotten that instruction, perhaps she would still be struggling. Some of you, the reason why you're dealing with certain things, you have skipped certain instructions. They drifted away from you because of your negligence. Some things carelessly pass you. That's the thing I'm talking about. That God in the sermon is going to give her an answer for her marriage. And at the point when the answer of marriage comes, she feels like she needs to go and get tea. He feels that that's the time he needs to call the robot he forgot to call out before. And then he says, oh my God, I'd actually forgot. In the middle of the sermon. And then he gets the phone and starts typing. Hey, Robert, you know what? Eh? Now that money for the tires, eh? I will give it to Rita for me. She'll bring it to me for tomorrow. Eh? Thank you very much. God bless you. Those 15, 20 seconds have escaped him. And in there was the healing of that virus in the body. And when they escape him, he goes to a prayer mountain for healing. He separates himself for financial breakthrough. He celebrates himself. Why do you think when he sent us the person of the Holy Spirit, he said he would teach us all things and bring to remembrance that which we have forgotten. Why does the Holy Spirit bring remembrance for certain things? Because some of the issues you're dealing with, they were already fixed. But you missed them. You were careless. God already sent an answer for some of the issues you're dealing with, but you missed it. So what does God do? He will send the person of the Holy Spirit, but adventure, he will remind you. You see? Now that is why it's important to listen to someone's often. Why? Because you never know what you missed. <laughs> you never know what escaped you. You see what I'm saying? You never know what escaped you. That's why I tell people, I mean, you have a whole week. And I'm ministering to you twice if you're submitted to this ministry. You have enough time to repeat to someone and allow it to go through. If you fall asleep in the middle, go back to where you fell asleep from and play it again and fall asleep again. I don't care. Wake up and begin from where you ended and make sure that you've received it all. That one you don't pray. That's not in the realm of prayer. Father, whatever they're speaking. Somebody sent me a little video of a young kid who sat in class, a little Chinese boy, and he was opening every page of his book in class and was raising his hands and putting it on the head like that. And he opens the next page and he does like this. Something is telling him that he's receiving that knowledge, I don't know by what means, by radioactive waves or something, and he's pouring it in his head like that. <laughs> Some Christians want to receive the word like that. They get into the Bible. And they just do like this. Then they open the next page and they just do that. Listen, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. <laughs> you cannot do that. That's not faith. That's foolish. That's not faith. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. So, something escapes you. And you have no clue that it has escaped you. But it was your carelessness that did that. That is why if you go back again to that portion of scripture and read it, least we let them sleep. They don't just sleep away from you. There is something you have to do for the word of God to sleep away. There is something in your way of life and character and behavior and response that allows Satan to steal from you. Because you see, as God is speaking to you, Satan is looking for Anything he can steal. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. What does he steal? 
Simple thing. He stole your marriage. <laughs> Satan has nothing with your marriage. If he steals your husband, is he going to marry him? Some people should understand how the things of God work. We are going to recover it all. What are you going to recover? You're going to go to hell and recover the stolen radio? Some people should understand how the things of God work. Some of you, the reason why that radio got lost, God wanted to get you a better one. And then you want to go to hell and get the stolen radio. Somebody shout hallelujah. What does Satan steal? He comes to steal the opportunity to receive. Remember when Daniel prays for an answer? The Bible says when the answer was coming by the angelic, the prince, the spirit of Persia, withheld the angelic from bringing the answer. And until the archangel, Michael had to come through that he would fight the chief of princes, a principality that the word would get to Daniel. He wanted to steal that revelation from Daniel for the answer that he required. That's what Satan steals. Because if he can steal a certain revelation from you, he can frustrate your marriage. If he can steal a certain understanding from you, he can frustrate your business. If he can steal a certain revelation from you, he can frustrate your ministry. Because we all know people perish for a lack of knowledge. That's what he steals. He steals the opportunity for you to access. Go to the four facets of hearing. You know, the farmer went sowing seeds and some seeds fell on the what? on the ground and some fell on the thorny ground and some fell on the hard ground, you know, and it speaks of those that hear the word and understand it not and the thief cometh, the wicked one cometh and catches it away, that which was sown in their heart. And that it speaks of that which received seed by the wayside. What does that mean? That Satan does not even want you to understand the message. So people sometimes come to me and tell me, but Apostle Grace, me, I don't understand him when he's teaching. I know why you're not understanding me. I'm not complicated. No, you're being robbed every day. That's your problem, brother. Somebody came to me and told me, I never used to understand you. But during COVID season, I started to understand you. Aha, uh -huh. what happened? You were delivered. So why do others understand me and you don't? Maybe a lot is being stolen from me. If what I'm speaking is true, then I pity if you can't get it. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. amen. And that is why later, you start seeing him instruct his spiritual son, Timothy. Meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them. For the Bible says your profiting will appear to all. When you know how to meditate on the word, and give yourself wholly and pay close attention. You might be the kind who watches every sermon, you listen to everything, you are a man, but not a lot has happened yet. Just be patient. Just be patient. It must come. It has to come. It shall come. Because his word cannot be sent out and it returns void. It must achieve that which he sent it out to achieve. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shall prosper in the thing where he sent it. It shall prosper. Prosperity. It shall prosper in the thing where he sends it. So just give it a time. Some of you one day you'll wake up. Like I remember the years of my university days. I used to pump this. Meditate. Confess. Speak. Pump it. In my spirit. Meditate. Speak. Pray, read the word every day, do all of these things. I used to sit in the word almost eight hours every day. Every day. And I never knew. But it's like a baby in a womb. As you continue receiving this thing, one day it will be nine months and it will come out. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. So now, even if I spend eight hours with God in a room, even if I've not read the word, I'm okay. Because I have too much in my spirit. Yet I read every day. I receive every day. I receive the word every day like I first received it when I heard it. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 2. 
again in the Amplified Version. For indeed, we have the glad tidings, the gospel of God proclaims to us just as truly they, the Israelites of all did when the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith, with the leaning of the entire personality of God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness by those who had it. Next line. Neither were they united in faith with those, Joshua and Caleb, who believed it. See how the association comes? Because at least if somebody didn't read the word, at least connect to somebody who has it. Now listen. They received the gospel like us. Somebody once said, they left this ministry and they told somebody, I've been seated under this man for 10 years and my 10 years were a waste, they said. One year after they left the ministry, they died. Because what if those 10 years kept them alive? Some people take the word of God lightly. You don't know the power of the word. You don't know the power of the word. Some people don't know that the only reason why Dorcas was alive or given life again was because she was sewing a certain anointed person's cloth. If she didn't have a function in that church, had that day she had died, that was it. Anyway, so we have people, like he said, they both sit in the same church. They both listen to the same word. And then you see this person's life changing. They get married, have children, finances, their businesses, their ministries are thriving. Doors are open in and out of the nation. And then another person is in the same church and nothing is moving. They both received the gospel. But one of them knew how to attend to it. And another one did not attend to it. Because you see, let's go back to how faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when he speaks of people who received the message, but they did not mix it with faith, it means as they were being given the gospel, they did not receive the word of God. Because if they did, faith would come. Because it comes through hearing and hearing by the word of God. If they were truly by the word of God and their ears were open to receiving whatever was being given, their hearts, their souls, their spirits were receiving fully without questioning. They would have the results of that message. So you find a person who is consistent. They're listening to every sermon every week. But they don't know how to receive. Things are slipping off them. And then there's a guy who's just come in one sermon. In my life of ministry, I've had what I call the one summon conversions. The one summon conversions. One time I was in the bank. I'd gone to bank. So I entered the bank. And this big guy, tall, big black guy. Very tall. And he walks in. And then he looks at me like that. And he starts laughing. <laughs> then he laughs again. Then he laughs again. And people are watching and they don't care. He doesn't care. So I start to feel, you know, a bit uncomfortable. This chap is laughing. He's not saying, he laughs and then he's looking at me like that. And then he walks to me after a while. He said, you know, I wish your members understand you. Oh, in my head, I know the guy's not my church member. I think I wish your members understand you. He said, one time I was brought to a funeral service was a Thursday. I had lost everything, apostle, everything. I was on zero. And you spoke a certain sermon. And he said, and I went back home. I sat on YouTube. I said, if this thing works, it's going to work for me. Out of that apostle, in a few weeks, I got a contract of billions and billions and billions of shillings. Wait here. He went and withdrew some money. And then he came and gave it to me. And he said, God bless you. I said, Manange, I've preached. <laughs> Glory to God. One someone changed the man's financial life. But I remember there are people who were in that someone. They were even saying, Shata, Borada, ZK. They were even hitting five fives. Yeah. They even came in front and sold coins and went back. <laughs> but one man knew how to take it. He knew how to take it. His answer was in that sermon. I've had those ones many, many times. 
They even meet me sometimes in airports and sometimes I'm in foreign land. I listen to this someone of yours on this. There's a girl who sent me a message. She had cancer and somebody sent her a normal good someone, a good someone on faith. And it was reversed from stage four to zero. And there's somebody who sat through that whole someone and the fibroid has refused. It's how you attend to the word. Take heed how you listen, the Bible says. Take heed how you listen. Take heed how you hear, the Bible says. How is important to understand. How you hear the word. How you receive your word. Luke 8, 18. He says, take heed therefore how you hear the word. For whosoever hath that which he hears, he shall be given. And whosoever hath not received, from him shall be taken away even that which he seemeth to have. And it shall be given to the man who has more. In this world, there are people who know how to receive. And there are people who don't have a clue about how to receive. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the battle. When you know how to receive and take it for yourself, it doesn't matter what comes at 2 a.m., I know you'll be well. There are people sometimes who send me messages, oh, Apostle, I'm in this trouble, and I look at them, and then I know them, and I don't answer. Because I sense it in my spirit. They don't need my answer. They just don't know what is in there, but I know they'll fix it. I'm only trying to tell them, you can fix that. Let me waste time on those who are newly born again. Newly. If somebody's just newly born again, ah, that one let us waste time because they need time. But if you have heard this thing for a long time, that is why when I sit before the word, my wife can tell you, nothing should distract me. Nothing. Nothing. I don't even want to hear anything knock because I know what I'm receiving and what it can do for me. But oh, someone is watching, then they pause, then they do this, and then they do that, and then they do this, and then they chase children around, and then after chasing them around, and then they pause again, and they're not going to watch it again. Even when they're watching it again, it will escape them. Someone can actually repeat it someone thrice, and it still escapes them. At the same time, when they're supposed to receive it, they lose it, they lose it, they lose it. And then they start asking, why am I stuck? Why are things working? Now you know. Now you know. Hallelujah.
my prayer for you that from today may you take God seriously. May you take his word as instruction seriously. May you have a turn around on your response to his word and may faith become personal that when you later attach yourself with others who have read it and for whom it works you already have something within you working the associations of the spirit will come secondary your personal faith will be primary i speak healing to those who are sick may families be restored may marriages be restored may bodies be healed in the mighty name of jesus Amen. If you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Just repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you shed your blood for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Venero, make manifest.